Welcome to the DMF. I am your host, Justin Yonts, and today is part five of my interview with Tom Ackerman. He's a cinematographer for the films Beetlejuice and Anchorman. Enjoy. So wrapping up, what, what was it like working with uh, Jerry and David Zucker? Now, you worked with them in uh, multiple films, but um, yeah, talk a little bit about that experience. It was a great experience working with the Zuckers. Working with Jerry and David Zucker is a genuine pleasure, one that every cinematographer ought to have because they write scripts and direct scripts that are inherently lens ready. They're ready to ready, ready to roll. And that doesn't mean that each shot is spelled out or written for your instruction. That's kind of an amateurish way. They would, wouldn't be caught dead doing that. But what they do is make a concept so vivid that the the individual shots, if you're paying attention, and it's hard not to, are going to take you to the desired end point. And along the way, there's going to be a lot of laughs. The Zookers is that they're masters of comedy, and they know visual comedy. And they love absurdist comedy, all of which came together on Rat Race. Uh, I think of the scene we, we shot with the two ne'er-do-well brothers who um, fake an accident by tripping an unwitting <laughs> lady who tumbles dramatically to the bottom of the staircase. And they run down to render aid and presumably uh, set this whole thing up as a, uh, as a scam. Meanwhile, Gloria Allred appears on an upper balcony and says, I'm Gloria Allred. I'll be right down. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're, they're thinking they're going to get away with it. Like, Who's going to see this? Oh, wait, here we've got yeah. Gloria. <laughs> Gloria Allred's on the case. It'd be like, uh, <laughs> we need a cop and, you know, Barnaby Jones shows up or something. <laughs> yeah, nobody saw that. Just one of the strongest uh, personal injury lawyers in the in the country. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're not, not the one you want <laughs> to fall into. There were a lot of things in shooting both that and uh, and I also did that was a lot of fun to shoot. It was Scary Movie 4. Basically set up and spoofed some of the recent releases that year and the preceding year that would make good uh, joke fodder. And of course, the thing about a, a spoof film is that in order for it to be funny to an audience, the audience has to has to be familiar enough with the material to to know the jokes. Some of them are big and broad and funny, but unless you know the context, spoof-wise, yeah. it doesn't really make a lot of sense. I remember, perhaps we all remember, the infamous interview that Tom Cruise gave to Oprah Winfrey childishly over the top he was so enthusiastic he was all over the place i mean it was like the talk of the town uh over the top tom cruise talks to oprah that 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 scene uh takes place with uh 
uh, a woman playing Oprah, who is a great, um, you know, who does a great job. She was of, on Mad. T- she was on Mad TV, I, I believe. The person. Yeah, yeah, who, uh, yeah. So the woman who play who who uh, mimics Oprah is uh, really good, and of course, it's it's our hero, Tom, uh, the dad, and yeah, the Tom Cruise bit. But they take it way further than yeah. in the original film to the point where he, conti- he really he continues to become more and more ebullient and just absolutely loses yeah. himself in, uh, insanely and starts running back and forth, swinging on, on a curtain. He, he swings across the set on a curtain, finally coming to rest on the sofa next to the Oprah imitator where he proceeds to literally they have the expression uh chew chew the chew the scenery well he starts to chew physically rip the so, the sofa uh cushions apart and and eat them and it's as about as uh unglued as you will ever witness on a major motion picture it's really crazy yeah yeah he like kind of they they take that idea of him jumping on the couch and just like embellish it and go you know so yeah no that's funny okay so this brings us to kind of now current times so what brought you to uh university of north carolina school of the arts what brought Mm -hmm. me to the uncsa school of the arts good question Mm -hmm. uh that decision came in 2008, actually, the fall of 2008, I had an offer to come out to the school to teach cinematography. And the offer came from Jordan Kerner, who is at that time the new dean of the School of Filmmaking. Jordan and I had worked together on a couple of movies, and it was a delightful experience. George of the Jungle being one of them, I knew that. Jordan, if Jordan was asking me to come out to North Carolina, sight unseen, and it was sight unseen, I had been interviewed by the search committee online, I mean, on on, uh, Skype, but I uh, had never physically been on the campus. I knew a few, I knew it was a a well thought of school, a very well thought of school. They had excellent facilities. And uh, that was about the extent of my uh, knowledge. So I set forth, armed with that, driving out on US-40, more or less a straight line to Winston-Salem, North Carolina. In the meantime, getting a call from a a young woman uh, who was doing her first feature in Denmark and wanted me to shoot it. I had worked with her previously as an AD on the Project Greenlight film, you know, Battle of Shaker Heights. She's very smart and very talented. I I turned it down. I wasn't, well, I was committed fully at that time, but I, I had no second thoughts, really. I had another movie, a studio film that uh, was offered that fall, my first couple of months of teaching. My deal had been to accept, to not turn down any day jobs. The school felt, Jordan Kerner felt, that I would be more relevant as a teacher if I kept my creative activities alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd already been scaled back a bit, but uh, mm-hmm. 
nevertheless, I continued to remain busy for, well, really up until the uh, pandemic. That's what really shut a lot of, well, not a lot. There were, there were, uh, there was one picture at Paramount that was shut down because of the pandemic. And there were others that just never got the green light because it put a damper on, on things. At any rate, I uh, have been able to continue shooting and uh, I've done a lot of second unit directing as well. Mm. Uh, so I'm happy, have some very interesting projects on the horizon uh, for the spring. Well, at, at the end of the spring, after school is finished, got an interesting uh, show coming up and then um, an unusually interesting feature film that would kick in about the middle of summer. Is um, teaching something you always wanted to do? I can't say that when I was a little kid, you know, I dreamed of being a teacher. Might have even been appalled at the very th thought of doing that because it was just not, it was nothing I related to. Uh, that being said, I had some wonderful teachers in even as far back as grammar school, junior high, high school, and college that were all so helpful to me and they were truly formative and in my life they made a difference i so it's not that i was unaware of the impact that good teaching can have i guess i was just uh, insecure hmm. it, it's worked out very very well i feel that sharing what i have as a cinematographer filmmaker is worth the effort that it sometimes takes to burn the candle at both ends. And so far, the schedule has been at times stretched, but it, but it has always worked. And there have been a couple of really nice things that where I was able to, films that where I was able to um, take students with me, either as um, interns, paid interns, by the way, I'm not into the right. idea of people working for nothing, or uh, as uh, shadows. Um, mm. We did that up in Vancouver. Students value in any teacher, I think, is what she or he can bring to their professional ready readiness. That's certainly true uh, at, a, at a school of the arts. If you go over and uh, watch a dance rehearsal, if you, if you watch what's going on in theater and design and production, where they're designing, building, and installing gigantic theatrical sets and lighting rigs, you see a lot of hands on a lot of stuff. And then, not surprisingly, there's a lot of brains connected to those hands. And that's what makes a, an education in the arts worth something. There's intellectual content that is bolstered and supported by enough practical know-how to allow our artists to be employed once they leave school. There are plenty of books. Uh, and and there have been a couple of instances, uh, in addition to having the pleasure of getting students onto a production as a shadow or as an intern, I've also been able to employ them as the primary crew. 
uh, notably a film that we shot up uh, in that uh, where, where most of the principal crew were themselves students at fourth year in the program. They did a great job. And I, I think that being on a set for five or six weeks of shooting, even though it's not a classroom, but when I bring them on board for something like that, of course, they're being paid. It's, it's a professional engagement. But I say, you know, we'll, we'll talk on Saturday mornings. We'll sit down and have breakfast together. But otherwise, I can, you know, if, we, if we can talk at lunch, that's cool. But otherwise, you know, you're going to have a job to do. I've got a job to do. Um, it's worked out very well. Is there anything that you would, you've kind of already answered this, but is what would you say is the most important thing you you impress upon your students in filmmaking? What important things would I impress upon the students? Probably the two fundamental principles that I would want to make extremely clear is that what, number one has to do with you, the profession that you're entering in the motion picture industry is uh, can be a brutally competitive and challenging environment. It isn't like a lot of other occupations that you can think of, but you can and should retain your who you are, retain your your humanity. I tell them, you know, you can, and any any given shooting day for a director of photography and for some key crew members is going to be have certain challenges and there'd be a, a certain level of anxiety that can arise. And a lot of that's unavoidable. Challenges, that's why you get a nice paycheck. Anxiety, if you care about what you're doing, you will have moments where you you wonder if it's as good as it could be. But folks, that's show business. And to not have any doubt, to be 100% secure 100% of the time does not bode well. This is not a comfort. This is not a leisurely kind of uh, job. It's one where you take risks uh, and you uh, strive to get the best work done. Now, that being said, that's sort of the, the professional imperative. But also, be nice to one another. Be nice to yourself. Because uh, the, the opposite of that is un, unattractive. And, and it, yeah. it doesn't bode well for your success in this work. All right. So wrapping up here, do you have beginning of the day routine? My beginning of the day routine invariably starts with a little cat tugging on my sleeve because her clock says it's time to eat. And invariably it's around five past seven. She's very regular. So I attend to that knowing that to be negligent in that duty will result in the furry one pestering me incessantly until she gets breakfast. Next, I make coffee. Then I generally settle into a, it's a super comfortable chair in uh, our master bedroom. And while my wife sips her coffee and does her morning reading, 
I'm usually engaged in reading and or writing something. It may, it may be relatively lightweight. I kind of like to venture off into the silliest uh, topic that you can come across on the internet. And uh, yeah, I'd like to see that footage of uh, the dog and cat that have become best friends and go swimming together or whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, it could be that mindless or things of incomparable importance and significance socially and historically. At any rate, it's internet consumption of material. Then the writing starts, which uh, I have no shortage of correspondence to generate. I'm involved, for example, right now I'm involved in giving feedback to the writer director of a feature project that's going to be shot here in um, uh, North Carolina. It's a superb concept, and he's a smart guy, uh, a really smart guy. So, and he writes well. It's his first film. So how how to um, how to help his already excellent purpose in writing the film, how to fit a, a, a format, a, 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 not just, you can learn how to format a screenplay. I'm talking about how to, how to make a, how to make a movie from yeah. what you've written. Well, if you can write, that also means you can conjure up ideas, which also in turn means you can put vivid stuff on the screen, stuff that matters, stuff that's clear, characters that are well-defined, and he's done all that. So I've, I've just helped him. I've given suggestions Shaping for whittling and, and so forth. And I'll, I'll, along the way, mentioning why there might be a visual way to handle this or that challenge in, in less time, with greater clarity, whatever. It's, it's really been fun. I'm, I've Look for. I look forward to doing it. Do you have a uh, nighttime routine where you're like kind of winding down? Yes. <laughs> nighttime would be uh, anticipating and then consuming a lovely uh, dinner. My wife, in addition to being an accomplished uh, producer and mom and uh, former board member of the year at the Santa Barbara Film Festival and champion fundraiser for that festival. In addition to that, she is a great cook. When I say great cook, I'm not, like she really knows how to cook. No, so I, I believe you. We, we eat well, we eat very well. And uh, so that's the, the evening up until about seven. Then we, we will have watched a half hour or so of news. We get totally tapped out beyond that. You know, it, it's just, and how many talking heads can you take discussing exactly. a point for an hour, right? I mean, it's, it's certainly diminishing returns on that. But we do watch the news, and on Sunday, we'll see the talking heads in action. Uh, we then go to the screen on the wall to find the best movie to watch, the best show to uh, take, take advantage of. And... Uh, when those events have been selected and duly 
watched, it'll be bedtime. I, I can no longer, I no longer have the desire to stay up until midnight or one o'clock, nor could I accomplish that. I mean, it's interesting. I can still work a very long day, no naps, you know, and at a pretty good pace. But when it gets dark, if I haven't done a preparatory nap, uh, I'm not going to be going until midnight. Do you meditate? I don't. Uh, what do you? I, I, I don't meditate in any formal way, hmm. but I do. Uh, I do a lot of contemplation, I guess, and I like quiet Moment. thinking. I like uh, consideration of things that doesn't involve writing or communicating. What are you reading right now? Not, not at the moment, no. What are, you, what are you listening to right now? Classic rock and roll is one thing. Uh, having shot a lot of music videos in the 80s, we have no shortage of, of stuff to listen to. My wife has certain favorites um, and uh, folk music, classical, always a favorite in our you know, and, and occasionally I will come up with some uh, totally eclectic um, and ridiculous, a preposterous request of uh, of the uh, little orb that sits on the table. You know, that will oh, play back. The uh, the A word. Yeah, yeah. The A L E X A. I don't want to say if his mind will go off right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You don't want that that thing to go off, but you say that word. Sky's the limit. Occasionally, because I know it, my wife drives her up the wall, but I'll say, University of Iowa, fight song. And then all of a sudden, I'm transported back to the football field where I yeah. used to sideline photography of the games. Yeah. It doesn't last too long, and she... She's extreme, an extremely patient woman. What are you uh, watching right now? I'm very curious about it, that. Well, I'm going to be watching. I like uh, Adam McKay's uh, show, you know. Uh, Succession? Uh, yeah, so uh, a lot. And tonight we're going to watch um, an episode of, uh, um, I'm trying to think of what Craig Craig Mason's, uh, he's, 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 uh, Writing, he's the head writer and executive producer of uh, oh, the, the Last of Us. Oh, I st I still haven't watched that. I I need to watch. Oh that. boy, it's so good. It's creepy as hell. You know, I've got a, I, I, weird like that. <laughs> I guarantee that it's a must watch. And you know, Craig is a guy. Well, very talented. He has been very well educated. He's Ivy League. And he cut his teeth in film with uh, the Zookers, you know. Uh, uh, he, he wrote uh, Scary Movie 4, I believe. Uh, he directed and wrote a superhero movie, which I shot, you know. Uh, and, and that was... Oh, yeah, I see it right here. Yeah. Amazing. That was just way, way out there on the crazy scale. And um, he... And, and he... he at any rate, he is now. Oh, and then he wrote Chernobyl. That was yeah, I'm looking at that right now. Yeah, and wow. now he's doing this wonderful show that you'll enjoy tremendously. 
And no, no matter what, uh, Craig is a tremendously talented guy. Have you seen any of the um, the Oscar films that have come out? Uh, yeah, like the Fablemans. Yeah, Fableman. I, I didn't like that too much. I didn't really. It's okay. It was sort it's of expected. Okay. It wasn't adventurous. Adventurous in the sense of, you know, you know, I, I get buried with uh, DVDs and links to screen online because I'm an Academy member. And so oh, I take it very seriously, which means that I, 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 you know, I get a stack of like that DVDs, and you know, I, uh, actually twice that high. Uh, but but I, it, I, it's hard. It's like work. You know, you you, you can't yeah. watch two in a row. So therefore, you got to schedule it out, and maybe you'll try two on Saturday or something. But it's it's very time consuming because I want to do a good job when I make my. Uh, uh, nominations. Uh, we nominate 10 films and then five films in our own category. It, I, I feel, I still feel I, I was voted into the Academy on, in 1991, I think. Yeah. Um, and I, I still feel like it's a tremendous um, privilege. You know, I'm, I'm honored to be able to yeah. uh, vote. And I, I just like, there's no way I'm gonna undersample. I want I want to do a, 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 see as many films as I can. Obviously, pre-sampling based on what it says on the the. So you were part of the you were part of the group that um, that nominated um, Roger Deakins for uh, Blade Runner 2049, which visually it's so amazing. Yeah, but but Roger Deakins uh, has got such a body of work, and it's, he did. Yeah. I thought his work was excellent. So you know. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, people often want the Academy member to justify, you know, it's sort of like, well, what kind of hubris do you have to think that you can? Well, first of all, it's just a fact of life. And all, all Academy members will, will cannot help but bring their own likes and dislike, dislikes and possibly prejudices to the process. And... Uh, that's just that's the way it is. That's the way it always has been, and I just think that we strive to do the best job we can. And beyond that, we're we're a human person trying to do the best job. There seems to be a lot of people that's just like, well, why didn't this get nominated? Why didn't that get? It's like okay, they can't nominate everything. If everything's nominated, then nothing's special. You know, that's kind of that's kind of how I look at it. So I'm like, would I like this film to be nominated? Yes, but it, it doesn't work like that, you know? Um, I'm very happy to see everything, everywhere, all at once, that film. Uh, yeah, I don't think uh, Academy members should be forced to vote a certain way. You guys should be, that's the way voting is. These are the way, these are the movies I pick. That's how I'm gonna do it. If you don't agree with them, you know, that's okay. Yeah, it's always been an imperfect process and it's always been focused through the personal lens. And by the way, no one is more thankful than I am, I'll say it, uh, that, that the Academy has been so aggressive at being more inclusive in its uh, membership. Long yeah. overdue, long overdue, much needed. And I think that that will help to 
balance our nominating process. Thank you so much, Tom. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. I've enjoyed the talk and I wish you well. Thank you. Okay, that about does it. I want to thank my guest, Tom Ackerman, for his time. As always, you can find me at Justin Yachts. Please like, share, and subscribe. And consider uh, checking out the YouTube channel. And I will see you next time on the DMF. Thank you.